0: Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Chad Randall at Life Story Church. We are a grassroots church located in the heart of the Bellevue community in Nashville, Tennessee. Our services are streamed live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Central Time. We would love for you to join us. Now here's Pastor Chad Randall. Well, I'll just start talking, and Andrew, you can mess with it as we go. (laughs) Uh, so so glad to have you guys here today. I do want to say a special welcome uh, to somebody who's here today. Greg, could you raise your hand or stand up and let me embarrass you for a minute. <laughs> Greg was one of our first ministry partners ever. And I mean 10 years ago when we started our first char- church in a holiday and conference room in Arkansas with six people. Greg was one of those six people who supported our ministry from the very beginning. So I just want to say thank you, Greg, for that. And thank you for being here. Can we have a round of applause for Greg being here? It truly touches my heart. Greg Greg was in town for work, and he got delayed, so he thought, huh, what better to do than to maybe go have church with some old friends, huh? I love, I love it. it. Thank you, Greg, for being here. A couple announcements to get to you right off the bat, guys. Uh, first thing I want to do is say thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us every Wednesday nights Ever since this coronavirus stuff started, we wanted to start doing a Wednesday night live stream uh, in, a, in an attempt to try and connect, give it, give us another opportunity to connect during the week since we weren't able to meet physically uh, on Sundays, <clears throat> and it's really been a great blessing uh, to a great many and a great blessing to us and the, the media team as well. So thank you guys for continuing to tune into that, being a part of it, commenting when you're on the thread, all of that good stuff. I know we have a number of people who aren't here today, but they're with us online. What a blessing modern technology is, huh? Right. So cool, so cool. so. Uh, I encourage you guys on the videos, especially if it's one that's touched your heart, which is all of them, of course, right? But especially on those ones to share, okay? Because as a grassroots church uh, that's, that's, that is uh, trying to build this church in Bellevue, Tennessee, you know, free advertisement is a great thing. You guys hear me say it all the time. So share the videos that we post, uh, like the YouTube page, share the different graphics and stuff that we put out, guys, to let people know that we're here. So as we grow, we're praying in, uh, praying that God would strate- strategically grow this church, but also it helps if people know that we're here, right? So uh, I see the little ones are already gathering in the back, so I'll take that as a hint from my lovely wife, little ones. If you'll gather in the back and follow Miss Amber over to Sunday school class. Thank you, guys. May the Lord plant a seed in your heart that will reap an eternal reward in all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Okay, so one more announcement, and I want... Uh, uh, Hold us up with announcements. I did hear back uh, from Metro this week. Uh, So we have been, you guys know some of you have been talking to me about it. It's been a bit of a struggle to figure out who's going to make this decision because this is uncharted territory for everybody. This is uncharted territory for uh, Metro Schools Nashville as well as far as when do we we decide to uh, let churches rent our facilities again even if we're not having school. They're targeting August 5th for school. <laughs> Excuse me, <clears throat> tree pollen. <laughs> <They're> t- <laughs> I told you it was going to happen every week about this time. Uh, we've been. The school is targeting August 5th to begin school, so they're moving forward. They don't have a firm commitment on that date. Nobody's made the decision that yes, 100 percent they're going to do that. But that is the date that they're moving forward with. That said, that isn't necessarily the date that we're stuck with because I have uh, had great conversation this week with maker and he said what they're true they've discussed it and what they're really waiting for is phase three so as soon as mayor Cooper says okay phase three is good to go for Nashville he said we might be able to get you (coughs) we might be able to get you uh, back into the school once phase three starts uh, if we wear masks and that sort of stuff so everybody got your your mask all right good maybe we should get some masks with live story logos on them I don't know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that is a, a, an exciting update uh, that I'm happy to bring to you guys because finally, at least there's some sort of timetable, some sort of light at the end of the tub- tunnel. In the meantime, God has uh, been so good to, to uh, give us the opportunity to meet here as long as the weather permits us on beautiful days like this. But who would have thought that we'd have such a gorgeous day in the middle of June, Right. When we had our first service here, I thought, well, that'll probably be it, you know. (laughs) And here we are two weeks or three weeks later. So God has been uh, good to us in that regards for sure. So just we're still on a week-to-week basis. We could be back in the middle school in a week or two, perhaps. I don't know. Uh, But uh, stay tuned to the Life Story Church family page on Facebook. If you're not in there, get in there. Uh, And if you're not in there, I try to pay attention to who is not a Facebooker. So I can text you guys, but uh, just stay in the loop. Do your best to stay in the loop with your brothers and sisters. Okay. So today's message. The last uh, few weeks, we have been talking a lot about what's been going on in the world, right? Whether it was on our Wednesday night services or out here. How can we, as the church, ignore what's going on all around us and in the hearts of our cities? Am I right? Now, th- there are there are there are many many different uh, people that might think we shouldn't talk about this stuff in church but I'm not one of them okay with injustice on the, on the Facebook post last night I shared this in, in I guess advertising for today's sermon I said with injustice violence and heartbreak displayed before our very eyes more and more as each day passes many are afraid many are afraid truly and I, and I get it I've gotten you, some of you who are not afraid might be surprised by how many people who have reached out to me having to deal with the spirit of fear in regards to what's going on in the hearts of our cities many are afraid you know i've talked to many of you that, that are afraid of that but i've and i've mentioned on more than one occasion the last few weeks that i personally understand because i believe that the soul of our nation truly hangs in the balance i do and then there are some of, of you who ask themselves you know what difference can i make in all of this as well and then there are some of you who would who would prefer just to kind of wait all of this out right Maybe if I just keep my head down and try to ignore it, maybe it'll all just go away in time. That way I don't need to be stressed about it and I don't need to be involved in it and I don't have to make a difference in any of it. There's people coming in on these issues from all different sides. And I feel as, as uh, uh, the leader of, of our congregation, it's my responsibility that the Lord has given me to address these different things. So whether it's fear or a false sense of insignificance that has seized you, To you, the word of God says, and this is our sermon title for today, if you're a note taker, you are more than you think you are. You are, Whether it's fear or a false sense of insignificance, the word of God says to you, you are more than you think you are. And to argue my point this morning, uh, I want to take you through uh, Judges, chapters 6 and 7. I've actually had a notion uh, to do a deeper study on these chapters for over a year, believe it or not. I truly have. So I'm uh, pleased that the Lord has uh, lined this up for us today, honestly. You might be familiar with the story of Gideon. Show of hands if you're familiar. Sunday school did a pretty good job, right? But for, for a lot of us, that's about the end of our knowledge of that story. And there's so much more to this story. What do we always say at Life Story Church? There's always more to the story, am I right? Say it with me. There's more to the story. I'm going to get you guys involved this morning, all right? So I want to start from the beginning, and we're going to just literally go through Scripture. Last week we just did a, a good old-fashioned Bible study, line by line, through a, a, a lot of our scriptures in John chapter three. We're going to do much the same today through Judges chapter six and seven, because I believe that the Lord has a lot for us, and nobody can say it better than He can, anyway, right? So let's read chapter six, Judges chapter six. Verse 1, the Lord gives us a little setup here before he digs in. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Interesting number of years he chose to deliver Israel into punishment. We see that as a theme throughout the word of God, if you notice. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Against Israel, because the Midianites, the because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. Verse three. So it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up, also Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Interesting point. All of these different tribes that are enemies of Israel. Alone, not one of them were great in numbers. So they would often come together as a confederation against Israel, a theme that will again continue in future prophecy of Ezekiel 38 and 39 and Psalm 83 as different nations confederate to come against Israel. So they came against them, verse 4, then they would encamp against them and they would destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel. Neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey, for they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Imagine locusts. What did they do? They come in, they swarm, and they eat everything. I mean everything. Just like locusts, they would come in, leaving no no sustenance, uh, like locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. Verse 6. So Israel was greatly impoverished. Think of that. This great nation of, of Israel impoverished, poor, because of the Midianites. The children of God, the children uh, of Israel, cried out to the Lord. All right? And if you're following along in your Bibles, uh, underline that if you're an underliner. Okay. They, what did they do? They cried out to the Lord. This is something that we see in, in uh, the history of Israel over and over again as we study through the stories of the Old Testament. The nation is prosperous, they fall into apostasy, then they become oppressed, then they cry out for deliverance, and they're delivered, right? When this every time, time and time again, when the Israelites cry out to the Lord, this is where every comeback story begins. And there's something for somebody in just that right here today, Okay? This is where every comeback story begins, is when you cry out to the Lord for aid. Do you hear me, church? Verse 7, let's keep reading. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet. And this is so cool, and there's a little nugget here, and I'm not going to get into it today. Maybe it's for you to do some digging. Maybe this is a remez for you. The Lord sent a prophet. Guess who that prophet was? I don't know either. (laughs) It's not like the Bible not to name a prophet, but they they don't give us a name for this prophet here. The Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. He always qualifies himself. You'll notice again in these stories, it it always happens that they find themselves in trouble. They've turned away from God. They're in trouble. What happens? They cry out to God. And God is so faithful to answer every time. There's not one time that they cry out and he doesn't answer. But when he answers, he reminds them of what he's done for them. Don't you? This is who I am. He qualifies himself. Remember what I did for you before. Why? Because He knows we forget. God knows we forget. Mm-hmm. We're so ridiculous in how we forget how good He has been to us in the past. Time and time again, with every new challenge that comes our way, we find ourselves crying out to God and in a state of desperation, largely because we have forgotten how He's delivered uh, delivered us from our, our, our turmoil in the past. If we would just from the beginning say, Lord, you see my need? Here it is. I know you've got this. And for every little thing. You know, a lot of times... We forget to pray to God about the little things. Mm Do you know that He cares about the little details in your life? You know, if you are are careful enough to listen to the Holy Spirit daily, from moment to moment, throughout your day, throughout your week, that if you're leaving the house and left the iron on, He'll let you know? I'm telling you, those kind of small details, if you are connected with Him, the Holy Spirit speaks with you in those kind of ways. He truly does. It's... There's no other way to explain it but we so often get wrapped up into our life circumstances and our busy schedules coming and going that we don't we forget to even commune with the Holy Spirit in that way until something big comes up and when something big comes up we've got to cry out to him for deliverance and then what's he do he says remember that time remember all the times I have delivered you and been there for you, and you thought there's no way that light bill was gonna get paid, or there was no way you were gonna get that job. You thought you were gonna be stuck at that dead-end job forever, but I delivered you.
1: Do you remember that?
0: Remember that's who I am. So just so you remember who I am. Why? Because he's so good to us, because he knows we forget, but he also knows that he requires faith from us to please him. So he needs that something's got to be generated in us because we, he wants us to be a part of this process, so he reminds us what he's done for us, to reignite that spark of faith in us. He's so good to us, coming and going, coming and going. He's good to us. That'll preach right there, I think. You know, he's, he's like a... I always think when I read, read and I find him qualifying himself, it always makes me think of like an HR manager at, at a job, Right? Okay, you need help? All right, well, just remember, okay? Remember who I am, okay? We agreed on this, right? You agreed that you would be faithful to me when I gave you the enemy's land, but you weren't, okay? So remember, he feels like an HR manager to me on this one, because it's like, you know, you signed the employment contract. You know that, right? So I could just let you go right now, but let's do this, right? Would he have to, let me say this, would he as being God, king above all kings, would he have to qualify himself to us? Mm-hmm. Certainly not. But he's a gentleman, and that's how much he loves you. I, you can, Just in something this simple, can't you see how much he loves you? Mm. Let's keep reading. Verse 10. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear. And that word in the Hebrew it, it means in the sense to revere. Okay? It's not like, oh, I'll run away. Now, there's a sense of like when, if God were to appear as large as the sky before me, poor little me, I might cower, right? But it's not, he's not trying to like make you af- afraid of him like you're afraid of sharks here, okay? <laughs> Truly it means to uh, revere, reverence kind of thing, okay? I told you not to revere the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under under the terebinth tree, terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, not Oprah. I say that wrong every time. Which belonged to Joash, the uh, uh, these words I tell you, Abazurite, Abazurite, <laughs> That's who it belonged to. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the in the wine press, okay, get this here. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the ri- wine press, why? In order to hide it from the Midianites. Remember, they would just come and they would steal. They would come steal and pillage. So what's Gideon doing? All right, we need this stuff, so I'm going to thresh it in the wine press, not where I normally would. It was a much smaller, more confined, more miserable place to do it. Yet he was doing it for that reason. So enter into the scene here, Gideon, he's our big hero, right? And what's the first thing that we see him doing? He's hiding, not the picture of confidence. Am I right? Let's keep reading. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor, who's hiding in the (laughs) winepress. Mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with... I love that because that might be where my family gets that saying. Oh, my Lord. He said, Oh, my Lord. If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our our fathers told us about? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Gideon. I just want to, you know, I want to take Gideon put my arm around him and I want to walk him off to the side for a minute. I just want to say, you know, Gideon, come here. Did you miss all of the false god worship in your nation? And the moment you speak to the Lord, you say, why have you let us become oppressed? Why has our nation fallen into this terrible state where we're being, you know, we're, the other nations are stealing our wealth. It's like That'd be like us saying, come on, God, why is China getting to devalue our currency and getting to, like, steal all of our Money and why all of our plants have to move to China? Come on, God. I mean it's like, are you serious? I actually think, you know, that would be worse than what he what 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 Gideon is saying to God. It's saying, God, why did you let all of this happen to us? <laughs> Directly after God has just said, and the through the prophet to all of the land, you have abandoned me. You've not been obedient. I gave you the land. I asked you to do this do this thing, don't revere other gods, and you did, so, you know, And here comes seven years of, of punishment. Gideon's response is, oh, come on, why do you, Why have you abandoned us? I thought that you were this great God, right? I actually think it would be worse than uh, an American Christian asking God why. You want to know why? You want to know why we're in the position that we're in today, church, as Americans? How about 73 million babies murdered since 1973? Come on, do it. Come on, do it. How about... The, how about God being evicted from our schools? You want to know why our youth are in a godless state? How about that there's no Bible in our schools? How about God being evicted from our public squares or from our politics? How about the fact that all of our pulpits today have been complicit in the decline of our nation's morality? Why? You ask? Never mind that. Never mind. The Lord didn't even answer Gideon. He didn't even answer him. Which may may be the reason, you know, so many Christians today think that God is silent. Think about that for a moment. Maybe you're asking the wrong questions. Those certainly weren't the right questions for Gideon to be asking. Gideon should have known better. Are you asking questions that he's already given you the answers to in his word? Ask yourself that question. There's a take-home point for you. Verse 14, let's keep reading. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours. I love it. Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him again, O oh my Lord, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. I got the smallest clan, and I'm the smallest guy. Come on. So here is the first time that we see the line clearly drawn. Hear me here. This is important for our message today. Hear me here. This is the first time we see the line clearly drawn between who God thinks Gideon is and who Gideon thinks Gideon is. Do you see that? Gideon thinks weakest in my clan I am the weakest in that whole, weakest clan, I'm the weakest in that weak clan. And God thinks you are more than you think you are. Verse 16, And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you. I'll be, I, I hear you, Gideon, but I'll be with you. And you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. I'll be with you, Gideon. I will be with you and that will be enough I'll be with you Bo and that's enough (laughs) Diana I'll be with you I'll be with you and that's enough Amen Mm -hmm. Chuck I'll be with you and that will be enough verse 17 then he said to him if now I have found favor in your sight all right, I hear you Lord but if I found favor in your sight like you say then show me a sign Just give me a sign that it is you truly who talk with me. Do not depart from me. I pray until I come back to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. Oh, Gideon. Have we not established already that this is God speaking to you, right? I just want to shake him sometimes. Especially what he's asking. Jesus would later say it is a wicked generation, right, that asks signs and wonders. Okay then, he asked. He asked God. Oh, let's, let's see what God says. God says, I will wait until you come back. God is patient. God is patient with Gideon. So Gideon went, verse 19, Gideon went in and prepared a young goat unleavened bread from an ephah, a flour, The meat he put in a basket and he put in the broth. In a pot, and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so, giving him specific instructions. Verse 21 Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and fire arose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord departed from his side. There he is. You put out the offering, you know, with these false pagan gods, they were carved out of wood, gold-plated and everything else. These uh, pagans would put offerings of meat and everything else right in front of these uh, s- s- these stone or wooden statues, plated statues, and, and they would rot. No fire, no consuming. The priests would just have to go through their routine of like some sort of magic trick maybe and make it disappear, right? Bunny in a hat under the table, get rid of it anyway, right? Now with God, when his, when his uh, sacrifices were brought to, them, brought to him, just like Elijah, consumed with fire, you see, right? Consumed with fire. Now Gideon perceived that he was indeed the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, alas! Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace to this day. It is still in Ophrah of the Abizarites. And there's, I've never been over there to see it, but there's some pictures online. They think they know where it is. Or they hypothesize that they do even today. Verse 25. Now it came to pass, the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal. You guys know who Baal is by now, right? He's the false god that they would, re- would receive to him child sacrifices. Horror, horrifying evil in the land of Israel. You know there's horrifying evil there just because there's Baal worship. Okay. So he said, he, uh, take, down your father's young, take your father's young bull the, second bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock, and in the proper arrangement, take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. He hates pagan false god worship. You can tell, right? Especially when it leads to such evil. Verse 27, so so Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him, because he feared his... Don't get lost right here. Because he feared his father's household and also the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it at night. I have seen the Lord face to face. All right, Gideon, now go. Maybe we should just wait till later. (laughs) It's dark, right? Gideon, how much of our life do we operate like that, though? For real. Uh, All right, it's you. I know it's you. I have seen the face of the Lord. I know I'm supposed to do it. Maybe it can wait. Maybe it'll just resolve itself, right? No. After, after all you've seen, after seeing the angel of the Lord face to face, you're afraid of man, Gideon? You're afraid of man, really? Oh, you mighty man of valor. The next morning, the men of the city arose, and I'll paraphrase here to save time. They heard who did it, They wanted to kill him, but Gideon's father stood before them and said, You know what? Let Baal fight his own battles. How about that? You know what? If Baal is a real god after all, he should be able to defend himself, right? Why don't you just let Baal handle this? Mm -mm. Verse 34, the spirit of the Lord then comes upon Gideon. So the men dispersed their anger. The challenge Went on to answer, but all did not show up and rectify things, shockingly, right? But in doing so, the Spirit of the Lord then in verse 34 came upon Gideon and he gathered five different tribes and blew uh, a shofar to gather them, and they did indeed gather. Let's pick it up in verse 36. So Gideon said to God, After all this, right? After all this, he did what God said. It, And he feared the men, but he proved that he shouldn't have. In the end, they had nothing to do against them. Here's Gideon. The next thing he does, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, then look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on all the ground around it, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said apply palm to forehead for Gideon. (laughs) Another test for God? Does anybody see what the issue is really for Gideon? Do you see it yet? It is that he doesn't... It isn't that he doesn't believe that he's talking to God. He knows he's talking to God. It isn't even that he doesn't believe that God will do what God says he's going to do. It isn't that he thinks that God is a liar. It it isn't that he thinks that God is incapable. The most telling three words of the passage are in verse uh, 37. Do you know what they are? By my hand. Then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand. Verse 38. And it was so when he arose God is faithful. Still, you're testing me again, Gideon. All right. God is faithful. And, and so it was. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung out dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, ah, Do not be angry with me. But let me speak just once more. One more time. Okay, got, got you. Fleece. But, you know, maybe that could have been a coincidence or something, Right? so just one more time, don't be angry with me, let me test, I pray, just one more with the fleece, let it be now dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew, Gideon, the Lord rides on the wind, amen, Gideon, again with the Again with the police. Here's when you know that you know better. Hear me here. Is this the middle of June? <laughs> I didn't even bring a sweatshirt. Here's... my goodness. Here's when you know that you know better. Hear this. Here's when you know that you know better, but you cannot help yourself. For real. It's when you have to say, Okay, don't be angry with me. That's when you know that you know better, is when you find yourself saying, okay, now, don't be angry with me, but, married folks, married folks, let me just ask you this. Has any conversation ever gone well when you have to start it by saying, okay, don't be mad at me, but, verse 40, and God did so that night. What do we say? God, God is faithful. God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground around it. Do you see how patient God is with us? Do you see how patient He is with us? Gideon's issue isn't with God, it's with His concept of self worth. It's not with God, it's with Himself. Gideon is effectively saying, I know that you can do it, God, but I don't think you can do it with me. And how many of us have that voice within our hearts and heads? God, I know your word. I know your promises are true. I know you called me to be a leader and to step forth into my own personal ministry and my own realm of influence to carry the commission and the gospel to whomever I may come across sure me to tell them I know you put it in my heart to, to start this business or to start this family or to start this What are you sure me God what was God's response to Gideon God's response to Gideon was you're more than you think you are you're more than you think you are Let's keep reading chapter 7, verse 1. Then Jerubal, that is Gideon, they changed his name after the whole Baal thing. All right? Which means let Baal look after Baal, right? Interesting. Gideon, then Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Harad, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah, In the valley, verse 2, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many. You know what? I've been thinking about it. Your army's too big. Too big for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel would claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Did you see that? Don't miss this now. How many times has God done something for you? How many times has God done something for you and you know it was him? Especially beforehand when you were praying. You knew knew that you needed him to come through for you. You just knew it. But on the other side of, of his work and on the other side of his help, you start questioning whether or not that really was God. Or maybe that was just coincidence. Or maybe it was luck. Or, you know, maybe you start feeling pretty good about how you got yourself out of that mess. Hmm? Or how you figured it out. Or worse yet, perhaps, how your talent or your smarts really made it happen. God is saying, not this time. Not this time. You'll not steal the glory for yourself this time, Israel. How many Israels do we have here today? if we're being honest with ourselves. I think God gets done wrong this way all the time. I think he's helping and aiding and intervening in a million different small ways that we later excuse or put off as coincidence or whatever else, which beforehand, we know good and well that we needed his help, and we know good and well that we asked for his help. And when the aid came, we excuse it as something else, subconsciously maybe even, Verse 3, Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. So they had 32,000 people, and 22,000 of them uh, left. But the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. God then, and I'll paraphrase for, for time, God then whittles the army down, get this now, down to 300 people. they got this fierce leader, this mighty warrior, right? They don't even need a big army because they've got this mighty man of valor, right? Oy he whittles them down to 300. God is saying, Gideon, you're my guy my God, the smallest of the smallest clan. As a matter of fact, you're so my guy that we're going to take this army of 32,000 that was set to do battle against 135,000 warriors. You wrap your mind around that. God is calling Israel to go to battle against these combined this combined confederation that numbered 135,000. And they only had 35,000 in the first place. And God says, that's too many. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the weakest guy in the weakest clan. Uh, They're vastly outnumbered. And let's just bring the army down to 300. That's how much you're my guy, Gideon. Do you think that God was trying to make a point here? I do. It doesn't matter who you think you aren't. It doesn't matter who you think you aren't, it only matters who he says you are. And who did he say Gideon was? You mighty man of battle. you might be the weakest from the weakest clan, but guess what? I am with you, and that makes you mightier than the 135,000. Mm. doesn't matter the size, church hear me here, it doesn't matter the size of the obstacle or the enemy in front of you, if God is on your side. Do you believe that? If God is with you, who can be against you, Paul says in Romans 8.31, right? We sing the songs, and if our God is for us, who can never stop us, right? If God is with you, who can be against you? You are more than you think you are. You are His. Get that deep down inside of you. You are His. And if you're His, then He is for you. He is with you. He stands beside you. The victory is yours, therefore. Hear me now. The victory is yours, therefore. But guess what? The glory is His. Are you okay with that deal? Don't go taking the victory now and trying to keep the glory, too. You hear me? we have that within us. We'd like, so badly, we would like to have something to do with our salvation. Deep down inside of us, we understand that if you work hard, you get paid, right? But God says, you know what, don't work and get paid. And then just give me the glory for it. Is that a good deal? That's good. Do work, get saved. Get, if I can just be good enough, then I'll be saved. And God says, no, you'll actually never be good enough, so... I'm just going to save you, and then you'll be inspired to do good, and uh, just give me the glory, okay? Good deal? Yet we, in our convoluted, subconscious, religious minds, so badly want to be able to say, I had a part in it, I was good enough, I did good, didn't I? Subconsciously trying to take glory for part of even our salvation. If you're, if you're willing to accept the terms of this contract, God will t- you will be blown away with where he takes you and what he uses you for in kingdom work, I'm telling you. If you're okay with the victory being yours, with the glory being his, set that in your heart and watch what God does. Let's keep reading. We're about to get rained on. It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise! go, we're almost done. Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered into your hand. Deliver them into your hand, verse 10. But if you were afraid, get this, one last time. If you were afraid, go down, go down to the camp with Korah your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterwards your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. You see what God's doing here? Guess what? Then, Guess what Gideon did? He said, if you're still afraid after everything, after all the tests, after all the fleeces, if you're still afraid, just sneak down to the camp and hear what they're saying. What is, what is his response? No, Lord, you have shown me enough. You've, I've seen enough. You have well more than proved yourself to me. I got this. No, he goes down to the camp. <laughs> so he goes down to the camp. Why? Because he was still afraid after all that. He goes down and he hears what they're saying. God still, still in his patient kindness gives Gideon what he needs to overcome his insecurity and and fear. Do you think he'll do any different for you? Still in his loving patience and kindness, he gives Gideon what he needs to overcome insecurity and fear. Still after everything, after all the fleeces, he says, Okay, Gideon, I know you're afraid. Go have a listen. I love this story, church, because we are all Gideon. At some point, at some time, on some level, we are all Gideon. Has God not shown and proven himself to us? Has he not done it over and over and over again? Yet, what are we? We're still afraid. We still question ourselves. We're so riddled with insecurity that we question if God can really use us, little me, to do something big. Save the nation, perhaps. Let me ask you this. Things are pretty real right now in our country. Do you believe that God could use just you to turn this mess around? Just you? And can you, in your heart, really believe that, you know, God could take just me and create a set of circumstances that I bring about change and peace in our nation? And the hearts of our nation turn back to the God of Israel, back to Jesus, Do you think that he could take just you and make that happen? Because he could. He could. Or do you disqualify yourself in your heart and your mind like Gideon did? We're so riddled with insecurity, church. But he can. He could. Do you believe that God can save this nation of ours at this point? Or do you believe we're just done? You believe he can save it? I believe he can. Will he? I don't know. We'll see. But I believe he can. And if you do believe that he can, guess who he will use to do it? The restrainer of evil and wickedness is who he'll use. And guess who that is? It's you. It's the Holy Spirit, but guess where he lives? Guess what vessel the Holy Spirit uses to do God's will and work on this planet? You. You are in. You've got to get this. You've got to know it. You can't hide and hope that the turmoil will pass, church. We've got, we got to pray for our nation. We've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. And we've got to do what he says. I'm telling you, church. Let's finish this real quick. Real quick, real quick. Lord, just give me a couple minutes. <laughs> Lord Jesus. I'm being totally serious, Lord. Five minutes, Lord. Let's read it, let's finish it out. Verse 13, And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. Remember, he went down to hear the story, hear what they were saying. He said, I have had a dream to my surprise. A loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian, and it came to a tent, and it struck the tent, and the tent fell down, and it overturned, and the tent was collapsed. Verse 14, And his companion, remember this is the enemy camp, his companion answered him and said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joach, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. They were afraid of him and the 300 somehow. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped God. Verse 20, jumping to verse 20. Then the three com- companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. God gives them these instructions of what to do. Break pitchers. After he heard what the dream that had been given to the enemies, he devises a plan. They're going to break pitchers of water. Uh, They've got a plan. You'll hear how it plays out here. They broke the pitchers. They broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands, all 300 of them encircling the camp. And the trumpets, shofars, in their right hands, and blew the shofar. And they cried, "The The sword of the Lord and of Gideon! The sword of the Lord and Gideon. Somebody say it with me. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried and fled. When the three hundred blew the trumpets, the Lord said, "Every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp," and the army fled as far as the border of the Bel by Tabath. <sighs> an army that was 135,000 in one moment of that evening was cut down, cut down to 20,000 by their own swords. I bet they didn't see that coming. God looked at Gideon and he called him mighty man of valor because God knew what he was going to do with him. All right, get this. Let's wrap it here. Let's wrap it up. God looked at Gideon and he called him Mighty Man of Valor because he knew what he was going to do with him. Gideon didn't see it. Gideon did not see it, but God saw it. And isn't that what matters, church? For all the regrettable insecurities that Gideon displayed, get this, for all, this is going to bring it all home here, for all of the regrettable, eye-rolling, regrettable insecurities that Gideon displayed. There was one virtue that Gideon never failed to display in all of it. Can you guess what it was? The fact that he possessed this virtue was no doubt the key to why God was able to use him. What virtue, anybody? Obedience. Though he was afraid to do what God was asking him to do, though he was continually asking, continually asking God to reassure him, he kept moving forward. He was obedient, and that's for us today. God is fine if you've got to keep asking him for reassurance. He knows. He knows, he knows you better than yourself. God is calling you to step out in faith. He's calling you to be an ambassador for Christ in this dark time, church. He's Calling you forward to be a Gideon. And you know, he knows you're riddled with insecurity. He knows that you don't think you can. Or maybe somehow he messed up by asking you. But guess what? He didn't. He knows exactly who you are. And he still calls to you. And he says, step forward, you mighty man and woman of valor. This is for you. And you know what? He's all right if you've got to keep coming to him for reassurance. If you've got to keep coming to him for reassurance. He's good with that. He's patient in his loving kindness, but it's to you to keep moving forward in obedience. Do you hear that this morning? All right, with every eye closed and every head bowed, let's close here this morning. Andrew, can we? Oh church. God is good. Did you notice he held off? He held off. Exactly five minutes? I'll tell you what. Should have asked for seven. <laughs> With every eye closed and every head bowed, if the Lord's moving on your heart here this morning, no one's looking around. Close your eyes, get rained on, raise your hand, give it to the Lord. Say, God, I believe that you can use me. I'm willing to be your Gideon, God. Do your work in me, in your heart, God. I want to be your Gideon. Just in the, can you lift that to Him? And if you are here this morning and God is leading you to a place of surrender, maybe you haven't been obedient and you know that now is the time the Holy Spirit is leading you to a place of surrender. There is victory for you, church. Can you hear me? There is victory for you against the enemy who comes against you? You can have it. Or are you willing to be obedient and are you willing to let him have the glory, church? If you're praying a prayer of surrender this morning, just raise your hand. pray heavenly father jesus we thank you for your goodness we thank you for your loving kindness we thank you for your patience with us oh lord we need it oh god you're so good to us that you put these examples in the bible that we can read and we can shake our head and then realize it's us god you are so good and faithful and true lord receive our praise this morning receive our hearts lord we lay them down we lay our lives down father We thank you for your blessed reassurance that you never grow tired of us as we come to you again and again just for that reassurance, Lord. But we accept, Father, we accept the proposition, Lord. Lord, give victory to your people. Give us victory in our lives. Give me victory, Lord. And take all the glory, Lord Jesus. It is all yours. It is your doing, Lord. Let us just be the vessel by which you'll do your kingdom work in this place and in this time. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and we'll say this for those here online, let's say this prayer, if you've never given your heart to Jesus and you want to surrender that right now, say, Jesus, I believe that you're God, just say it out loud, church, I believe that you're God, I believe that you love me, come into my heart and make me new, walk with me all the days of my life, the glory is yours, in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you. May He pour favor out on your lives. May you go in grace, in victory, shouting the glory of the Lord as you go. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. Wow. Amen. <laughs> Woo. Love it. We love you guys.